In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and you're watching Untethered Live. This is a Bible study on a Sunday night. What's going on out there in the world? How are people? How are things? How are you? I'm still sick. Unbelievably. That's okay, though. I'll get there. What's going on? Chat's usually full by now. I don't know how to act. Super Bowl Sunday, everybody's off doing something, I guess. Mm. Hello, one person. Good to see you. Maybe you'll multiply. If not, I'll talk to you all night. As long as you'll stay. It's a good show, nonetheless. You'll like it. You'll enjoy it. What's up, Kevin Cox? He don't even say hello. He just jumps up there with the sports update from Kevin Cox. Super Bowl Sunday is here. The Eagles are up 21 to 14 and the half. Go Eaglets. I must be getting blind. I need to move that button one. I keep hitting the wrong button. Back to you, Jake. Back to you, Bob. So it's Super Bowl Sunday, huh? Where are you guys at tonight? Out celebrating, I assume. I'm just sitting here at the house watching my nose run away. 
My face has been draining for a solid week. I don't even know where all that has come from. I didn't even know there was that much room in my head. But that's COVID for you. Just lingers. Think I'm over it. I'll feel great one day, and then the next day I'll feel sick again. And it's been going like that for two weeks now. Up and down, up and down. We refuse to say where we are for fear of the paparazzi. Well, if you're that famous, you need to come be on the show for sure. I need some paparazzi in my life. Like I need a, another hole in the head. I went over, I guess it was yesterday. Either Friday or yesterday, I can't remember which. Probably yesterday. And uh, did some video shooting for my little band, me and my buddy. Got that done. I understand you're feeling bad. Coven should be renamed to Bitch. Yes, yes it should, because it is a bitch. Anyway, I went over there, and it was all I could do to get up and go. I did not want to go. I, uh, I had to talk myself into it, much like the podcast tonight. I had to talk myself into getting out of bed, argue with myself, lay there and argue with myself for an hour. Damn it, it's time. I got to get up. Got to get up. So I get up. Get dressed, get ready, drive over there in the freezing cold, do my little filming, drive back home. Then by the time I got home, I felt fine. It's weird. I get up this morning feeling like crap. Felt like crap all day. Now I feel fine again. You're driving and April's getting dressed. How's that work? She getting dressed in the back seat? Or are y'all in separate cars? And if so, is she driving? This doesn't sound safe. You need to pull over and let the girl get her britches on. <laughs> I do apologize. I'm not in the best of uh, form tonight. I will not be too funny or too talkative, but I'm here. I'm making it. I'm making it work. I won't miss it for nothing. Nothing or nobody. Hey, there's April. She says, I'm here. I'm in the backseat getting dressed. I'm driving her badass Ford Fiesta. Y'all still have that Ford Fiesta? Jesus. She is dressed now, and I will be on soon. And will be on soon. She's on now. Please tell me that's not the same Ford Fiesta that I made out in in high school. Kevin's driving now. I'm dressed. LOL. We're pulling out to go to dinner. Aw. I wish I could pull out and go to dinner. You guys make me sick. So lovey-dovey. It's not the same one? Good, thank God. I was supposed to say, Jesus, that car won't, won't die. Go get me one of those. 
There must be a dealer there that deals in those cars has a really good deal on them. Charles had two or three of them, I think. I've never owned one in my life. Isn't that what he said? Fiesta, oh, Fiesta, Festiva. What's the difference? Is there a difference? I thought that the uh, Fiesta was a Ford. Or Festiva, whatever it was. The little white car. The little white skateboard. That's one. The one I'm talking about, yeah. Isn't that what a Festiva is? I must have it confused. This one is a 2019 Ford Fiesta. It's four doors, not two doors. Gotcha. Is it white? Had a lot of memories in that little car. I think I made out with my first girlfriend in that car. While your mama was driving. Because that's how I roll. I wonder if she remembers that. It's black. Well, I'm sure it's a lovely car. I am not one to talk. I have a HHR. And it's a, that's a grocery go-getting mobile if I've ever had one. And it doesn't run, so there's that. My catchphrase, there's that. That was deemed last podcast. It was deemed my catchphrase by Fab Daddy. There's that. We had a good 500 episode. Had a good conversation. Everybody bailed out early on me, though, for some reason. Didn't want to stay and celebrate. I understand. But tonight, tonight's going to be even better. Because tonight we're going to round out the book of Numbers. I think we might even finish it. Move on to the next book. Maybe. We're getting in there deep. It's a good book. And I have a headache. That's okay. I just realized it. It's that COVID thing. I've been teetering back and forth for a solid week on this sickness is just will not let me go I went through the four days of being sick you know bedridden head 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 pounding the body aches the fever the whole nine yards and then that broke and I got up the next day and went to work and I felt fine I thought I was through it you know well the next day I started running a fever again so I went back home and went back to bed and then the next day, I felt fine. And then that night, I started running a fever again. 
It's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That with the nose running and the, ugh. I still don't have any sense of taste or smell. What I do is just not the taste or smell that I want to taste or smell. Everything smells like throw up. I'm sure Mama would remember that, yeah, that time. Hit the mailbox by accident. You hit a mailbox? I think I've probably done that before. Except I think I did it with a baseball bat, but that's neither here nor there. Hanging out the window. That's the kind of things we get up to when we're kids. Uh, thank you, darling. It's not a matter of being sorry for me. I'm just got to get through it. That's all. It's one of those things. I still stand by my convictions. I still think this is the better way to go about it. Because when I'm through it, I'll be immune to it. And it won't get me again. Something else might, but that won't. And that's the way it goes. Whereas the people who have scrambled around and got all those boosters and jabs all over the place, they have no immunity. The booster's doing all the work. That means that they have to keep getting the boosters or else they'll be very susceptible. And I don't think that's a good way to be. I was an accident. It was an accident. I pulled too, up too close to Mama, looked out the window, and she's like, Oh, my God, there's a, man, a dent in my car. What happened? Ah. Well, that car being that size, I'm surprised that mailbox didn't total it. Because <laughs> uh, that thing wasn't nothing but a tin can with wheels. My heart dropped. I bet. But you were just learning to drive. I jumped the railroad tracks there at uh, Reynolds Road one time in a car. I don't even know whose car it was. I don't even know how why I was in it. But I was in it. And we jumped those tracks. Remember how steep those tracks were? And when we landed on the other side, the front wheels came out from under the car and it just skidded to a stop right there on the highway and we all just got out and left the car sitting there on the road. I don't know whose car it was. <laughs> I don't know how long it laid there. But we got out of Dodge. It wasn't bad. I've been driving ever since I was nine years old. I just went out mailbox. A little bit too far, and it scratched it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you and me both. I bought my first car when I was 13. Couldn't get a tag for it, but I had it. It was a badass car, too. It was a Ford Maverick. Built like a Mustang. Looked like a Mustang. It just wasn't. It was a Maverick. But it was souped up. I love that car. So I drove it through the woods because I couldn't drive it on the highway. 
used it to clear trails. I was 14, you know, Mama let me drive a lot. Oh, yeah. I drove a lot when I was 14, too. I drove everywhere. I was basically living on my own when I was 14. Remember, my parents went gallivanting and left me there. Well, I say gallivanting. They were working, but they were in another state. Where is everyone now? I don't know. I guess it's because it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Nobody loves me. I'm working for free over here. Don't even get no accolades. That's all right. I'll keep doing it. That's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, if I could keep from blowing my nose, that'd be all right. Yep, I remember we love you, Jake. Well, I love you, too. I do love you. You guys are awesome. Y'all are the reason I do this. You know that, right? Hey, there's somebody. Alpine came to see me. Hey, Alpine. I knew everybody wouldn't be away for Super Bowl Sunday. Send and love your way. Oh, please. Thank you. I could use it. It's one of them weeks. I had not work two days and two weeks consecutively because of being sick and because of being out. It started a couple of weeks ago. My boss took a week vacation. That's how it started. So I naturally didn't work that week because he's gone. And I can't run the shop by myself because he does all the technical shit. Well, then when he got back, then he got COVID. And a day later, I got COVID. So there's another week gone. And so I'm over here gurgling. Water's up to my neck. Paddling. So I appreciate it. Thank you. There's Lily. See, you might as well just change your handle, Alpine. You done been renamed. Wow, that's cold. Yeah, you're still alive. Well, how how's that? How's the cold? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. It's still here. I'm still uh, banging away at it. I am still alive, and I'm having good days and bad days. Every other day, it seems like it's, it's teetering. It's lingering. And uh, one day I feel great, and the next day I feel de like death warmed over, and it just will not let me go. And today I'm, I, I feel all right, but my nose is running. My, my face has been running for a solid week. Everything smells like throw up. And I just, ugh, ugh. I don't recommend you get COVID if you can avoid it. However, you're going to, so might as well gear up. Take my advice. Hey, Fab Daddy, what's up, buddy? Let this be. I'm not a doctor, and I have to say this because of YouTube, but the vaccines are safe and effective, and they work 100% of the time always, and the doctors would never lie to you. I have to say that. That being said, uh, get you some vitamin D, get you some elderberry juice, and get you plenty of water. Water is the key. And vitamin D is the key. 
and you'll kick its ass in no time. And then once you've kicked its ass, then you don't have to worry about that particular strain anymore because it won't affect you. That being said, COVID is just like the flu. It's going to be here forever, and everybody's going to get it at some point. So you might as well gear up and be ready. Have a good read watching the Super Bowl, says Fab Daddy. Oh, come on, man. You can do both. The football is not more important than your soul. And all you need to know is the damn score anyway. You ain't got to watch it all the way through. Kevin says, hello, y'all driving. I thought B12 helped it all. Well, B12 is just energy. That just makes you feel like doing stuff. B12 ain't the thing. You need vitamin D. One of the things that COVID does is attack your uh, vitamin D deficiency. And people that are very deficient in vitamin D are the ones that have the most trouble with it. For whatever reason, I don't know. But uh, the people that are deficient in vitamin C, vitamin D uh, have the most trouble with COVID. So you need to take a big dose of it when you get sick or when you know you're going to get sick. No, don't jinx me, man. Ugh. I'm not jinxing you. I'm telling you how to avoid being jinxed. It's 24-14 at the halftime. Yeah. Your team's winning, right? I just take Tylenol. I don't even do that. I don't like medicine. I have to take those painkillers that I take. That's all I want to take. I don't want nothing else. I won't even take cough syrup. I will take this. This is my go-to right here. That's it. I don't take nothing. Them damn painkillers is enough trouble. I don't, I don't want nothing else. I can barely stand that. Who's playing? Uh, the Eagles against somebody. The Eagles are winning, I think. Coming from a guy that doesn't know anything about sports. Chiefs, Chiefs and Eagles. I just don't, I don't even care. I don't even like to watch the commercials anymore because they're all woke. And what states are those? The Eagles and the Chiefs. Pardon me, I'll be right back. running like crazy philadelphia and kansas city that's who they are wampums wampons i don't know what that is that sounds dirty well all right kiddies might as well get to doing what we got here to do there's five of us here so let's do it let's go down If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of Numbers, chapter 20, verse 6. 
26 is where we are. That's where we left off. That's where we're picking up. Let's go for it. Five, six, seven, eight. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Now, I want you to imagine what that's like. Obviously, you need to be on your face, because if you're standing before the Lord, you're not going to be standing very long. You, you will die in his presence. So it's the natural thing to prostrate yourself immediately when you know the Lord's going to be there. And he was there physically in form in the tabernacle. And there's Aaron and Moses trying to contain themselves. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Now I want you to pay attention to this. This is very important. God is issuing a direct order here. What did he say do? He said, take your rod, you and your brother, and go speak to the rock. Meaning, go over and tell the rock that God said, bring forth water. That's what he told him to do. Is that what he does? Let's find out. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Remember, that's what they're all whining about because they're not getting fed enough. They're in the desert. They're worried about themselves. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, Lord as he commanded. So far, so good. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Did God tell him to speak to the people or to the rock? Huh. Must we fetch you water out of this rock, says Moses. Notice the we here is lowercase. He's referring to himself and his brother. Must me and Aaron fetch water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. Did God tell him to hit the rock or talk to it? And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and the beasts also. Now, I want you to think about this congregation is over a million people. This is a big group of people. It would take up a valley, which means enough water came out of this rock to make a lake so that they could all drink and their beasts too. That's a lot of water out of a rock. But I want you to notice how Moses did this. He... He, he tended to, no, he did not say to hit it. He said to speak to it. I'll read it again for your edification. Crap, I lost my place. Damn it. I got to go find my place again. I missed it. Book of Numbers, where you at? There you are. Twenty-six. There, there it is. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, take your staff, and gather the assembly together, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak ye to the rock, 
See what he said there? Speak ye to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. He didn't say hit it. He didn't say take credit for it. He said, speak to the rock in my name, meaning tell the rock that God said, come out, and the water will come out. And what does Aaron and Moses do? Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you the water from this rock over here? They weren't expecting him to pull water out of a rock. Moses is totally taking credit for what's happening here. And then in a matter of a display of drama, he strikes the rock twice with the stick that God did not tell him to do. That's not what God said do. He said speak to it, meaning let the glory of God be shown here, not let the glory of Moses be shown here. This, the reason I'm pointing it out is because this is the reason, this very thing is the reason Moses never gets to go to the promised land. This is the very reason he dies before he makes it there. He's allowed to see it across the field, but he ain't allowed to ever set foot inside the promised land. And it's because of this sin. And people wonder about it, and they talk about it a lot. Well, Moses didn't do anything wrong. Well, yes, he did. He disobeyed God directly. Men. Yeah, well, I guess in this case, you're right. And Moses lifted up his hands, and with the rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, and this is what he said, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Because you didn't believe me when I said speak to the rock. That's all you had to do. Edify me. Let the people of Israel know that the Lord God is feeding them and and giving them water. Because you didn't do that. I'm not going to allow you to be where I've given you to be. This is a great sin. The devil is in the details, as they say. And you have to understand that at this moment, this is the devil intervening because man ain't supposed to go against what God says do. What God says do, you should do completely the way he says do it. I wonder if he's there now. I'm sure he is. Where? No, he's not. Nobody knows where the bones of Moses is. I assume they're in heaven because Satan put... See if I can remember this right. There was a big to-do about Moses' bones, and Satan wanted them. Why, I don't know. Probably because people venerated them, and he wanted to use them against God. But nobody could ever find them. They know where he died at. Could you make that bigger, maybe? I'll try. Let me see. Uh Uh-oh. How's that? Is that better? I don't even know how I got that small. So we know where Moses died at. But nobody's ever found his bones or his grave. So we know that he did not make it into Canaan. He made it to the edge of Canaan and he died there on the mountain before they go into Canaan. 
This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he will sanctify, and he was sanctified in them. Now, the word Israel, this word literally translates, if you transliterate the meaning of the word, to wrestles with God or strives with God. On more than one occasion, people have strived with the idea of God. Where is the soul then? The soul is in heaven. So you're right about that. <clears throat> so this is one occasion where the people strove against God. And uh, Jacob strove against God when they literally, they physically wrestled until daylight. And he had to break his hip to make him let him go because he wasn't about to let him go without a blessing. That's one time that Israel strove with God. So my point here is that if you're not striving with the idea, if you're not wrestling with the concept of what God is, you're not doing Christianity right. That's literally built into the narrative. That's what God wants you to do is fight with the idea until you come to terms with it. That's what faith is all about. It's not a childish thing like most people try to present it, like you have to have the faith of a child. No, you have to have the faith of an adult, a grown human being that knows better. And that's what God wants you to do. That's why we have this book. This book is a love letter to us from him. And it's a rule book on how to live your life, as, among other things. And within its pages are contained the answers to all questions, all of them. I've never found one that wasn't in here. So, go figure. And Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom. Thus saith thy brother Israel, thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us. You guys know what kind of trouble we've been in. How our fathers went down into Egypt. And we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, 450 years to be exact. And the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the utmost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards. Neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand or to the left until we have passed thy borders. This is a letter being sent. And what it's saying is, you know, we're, we're here. We got to get through this country. Please let us go through without attacking us and killing us. We promise we won't cause any trouble while we're going through. We'll stay on the highway. You won't even know we're there. We'll just pass right through. And Edom said unto them, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with a sword. Well, that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Um, one thing you must know about God's people, and that's this. God put them on that path, and he intends them to go on that path. And if you go against that, guess what's going to happen to you? Guess what happens to Edom? Edom is a big country. They're a powerful army. They got all the swords and all the 
warriors and all the horses and everybody's scared of them. They're going to fall rather quickly because of their decision to not allow Israel to walk through their land. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway. And if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pray and then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. So he's still pleading with them, Let us walk through. We won't even drink your water. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against them with much people. And with a strong hand, meaning they brought their whole army with them. They're not about to let Israel pass through Edom. Why? I don't know. They're just being assholes. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Wherefore Israel turned away from him. And they had to go around the long way. I'm not sure. Where is Kadesh? Kadesh is on this side of Canaan. You have to look at a map. I don't have a map handy, but it's in that area, if you know where Canaan is. Canaan is a strip of land. Much uh, contention still exists about that land, only now they call it the West Bank. And uh, there's a lot of fighting going on over there. It is a Middle Eastern thing. It is over near where Jerusalem is now. There's a map somewhere that will tell you where all these old places are. I mean, most of them aren't even named these these names anymore, but they, they know where they are, you know. And there are old maps. You just have to look and find some. Thus, Edom refused to give Israel passage to his border, wherefore Israel turned away from him. And the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came unto Hor, Mount Hor. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the coast of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because ye rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Yeah, well, Aaron first and then Moses. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up unto Mount Hor. And strip Aaron of his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son. And Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and shall die there. And so he does. And Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they went up into Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments, and put them on Eleazar his son. And Aaron died there in the top of the mount. And Moses and Eleazar came down from the mount. So... Aaron has effectively been replaced. He's dead now. That's what happens when you disobey God. And when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, they mourned for Aaron for 30 days, even all the house of Israel. And when the king Arad, the Canaanite, that's from the land of Canaan where we're headed, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by way of the spies... Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoner. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. God's like, okay, you want to fight? Let's fight. <coughs> and the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they utterly destroyed them in their cities. 
and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to come past the land of Edom. They went around it. They went the long way. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way, because it's a long ride, you know. They could have went right straight through Edom and been there already, but they had to go around. So it was a pretty discouraging uh, defeat and a very long journey. And this, as usual, the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. You remember a couple of days ago when he pulled water out of a rock? And you're still concerned? And our soul loatheth this light bread. <laughs> light bread. That's what they're calling the manna that's God's feeding them on a daily basis. They're sick of it. They don't want to eat it anymore. But I thought you said there was no bread. Well, it's not good bread. We want good bread. Okay, well, you know, sometimes you got to make do with what you got. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Why? Because they're a pain in the butt, and they complain about everything. The idea of the word stiff-necked people barely even applies to these hard-headed nincompoops. They are really, really getting on God's nerves with the whining and complaining because he's doing his best to get them to the promised land, and they're just whining about it every step of the way. So this is the third time God has killed a large portion of these people for being hard-headed. This time with fiery asps. And if you want to know what a fiery asp is, get bitten by an asp and you'll know. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord. You pray to God because we screwed up that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Oh, Lord, these hard-headed people, I understand you want to just eat them all up. But can you, can, you, can you calm down with the serpents? And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Now this is what we refer to in the ancient Greek as the caduceus. You may recognize this idea as on every hospital and every ambulance, this symbol exists. It is a staff with a serpent wrapped around it, sometimes two serpents. That's what a caduceus is, and this is the first mention of this, is God telling Moses, make you a fiery serpent out of brass and wrap it around a stick, more than likely the staff, the staff, and hold it up in the air, and anybody that looks at it, uh, they, they'll live. They won't die by the serpent. Meaning, anybody that's going to follow me needs to follow me now. Anybody that wants to talk bad about me can keep talking bad about me, and they'll all die. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten a man, any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Imagine that. Just looking at this thing, this caduceus, caused this man to live, even though he was bitten by a very poisonous snake. 
And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in Oboth. And they journeyed from Oboth and pitched in <coughs> Egebraim. Egebraim in the wilderness, which is before Moab, towards the sun rising, meaning they, they're, they're, they're heading to the east. Isn't that right? Rise in the east, set in the west. I think that's right. <coughs> they're heading east anyway. You got to kind of picture where we're at. We started in Egypt, and they're going that way, east, towards Canaan. From thence they removed and pitched in the valley of Zered. And from thence they removed and pitched on the other side of Arnon, which is in the wilderness that cometh out of the coasts of the Amorites. Amorites are important. We'll get to them later. For Arnon is the border of Moab, between Moab and the Amorites. Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord. What book is that? I'll read that again. Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord. What he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. And at the stream of the brooks that goeth down to the dwelling of Ar. That lieth upon the border of Moab. Now, what are the books of the wars of the Lord? Well, this is one of them. There are several books here that talk about wars. Wars that God specifically declared. And we're going to go through them. They're next. Uh, this is just a thing that this particular section of the Bible is called. And this, uh, the brooks of Arnon and the streams and all that, what he's talking about, we're going to read about. Where the, It's kind of like what he does at the Red Sea where he stops the river from flowing and allows people to walk across on dry land and that sort of thing. When they reach where they're going. We'll get to that point. And from thence they went to beer and all got drunk. I don't know. That is the well whereof the Lord spake unto Moses. Gather the people together, and I will give them water in beer. See? All that complaining and dying that they just got finished doing was unnecessary because when God got them where they were going, he gave them water. They weren't never in any danger of starving to death. They just didn't have everything they wanted right then and there. Let that be a lesson to you. You don't always get what you want right then and there or everything you think you should have. But you'll always have what you need. I'm living proof of that. If you don't believe me, take notice of my life. <clears throat> and I promise you, you'll see it happen. Pardon me, I have to blow my nose again. I'll be right back.
I'm back. Once again. Jake, are you on top chat? Sorry. No, I'm on live chat. Live chat. Live chat. Yep, I'm on live chat. Why, am I missing something? Yeah, so much it'll come to you. I was on top chat and I missed you. Wonderful welcomes. Thank you, dear. No, I'm on live chat. I don't know why it's, if I'm missing something, I apologize. What did I miss? And then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. The princes dig the well, the nobles of the people digged it. By the direction of the lawgiver, that be Moses, with their staves, and from the wilderness they went to Matana, Matana, and from Matana to Nahaliel, and from Nahaliel to Bosmoth, to Bumoth, Bumoth, no S, Bumoth, and from Bumoth in the valley, that is in the country of Moab, to the top of Pigash, Pishka, sorry, that's Klingon, which looketh towards Jeshimon. Here we go with those names again that I can't get out of my mouth. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sweetheart? I hope all is well with you. And Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the water of the well, but we will go along the king's highway until we pass thy borders. Does this sound familiar? And Sihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his borders. This is the second time this has happened to them. But Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. He's not, none of these people are going to let them pass through. They got to go around a long way, all the way to Canaan. And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon to Jabbok, even unto the children of Ammon. Ammon. Ammon is the man who is responsible for the Ammonites. He's their father. For the border of the children of Ammon was strong. It was a strong border. It was a strong army. But when you have God fighting with you and the Ark of the Covenant precedes your army, when God tells you to go to battle, you win. It's just that simple. When God does not tell you to go to battle, however, you lose miserably. And that should be a lesson to everyone. And Israel took all these cities, and Israel dwelt in all these cities of the Amorites, in Hezbon, and in the village thereof, villages thereof. For Hezbon was the city of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and taken all his land out of his hand, even to Arnon. 
So this land has been battling for a while. They just lost to the Hebrews because the Hebrews were savages. They weren't necessarily an army of people, but they were savages. They were slaves. They'd been working in Israel, in Egypt for 450 years. These people were tough, and they were mean, and they were battle-hardened by work. And uh, when they came up against these armies, they didn't stand a chance. These guys just ripped them from limb to limb with whatever they had. Wherefore they that speak in the Proverbs say, Come into Hezbon, let the city of Sion be built and prepared. For there is a fire gone out of Hezbon, a flame from the city of Sion. It hath consumed Ar of Moab, and the lords of the high places of Arnon are all gone. Woe to thee, Moab! Thou art undone, O people of Chemish. Chemish is a false god and it's a location O people of Chimoth Chimish Chimoth whatever that word is he hath given his sons that escaped and his daughters into captivity unto Sihon king of the Amorites and we have shot at them Hezbon is perished even to Dibon and we have laid them waste even to Nopha which reacheth to Mediba Madiba? It, doesn't she make movies? Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. And Moses sent a spy to Jezer. And they took the villages thereof and drove out the Amorites that were there. And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, went out against them. He and all his people to the battle at Edri. Now, this is the fourth time. They don't go into detail about Og here, but this is the fourth time they've been denied access to go through a country, so they just took the damn thing. They tried. They, they really did try to do it right. They really did try to make a peaceful journey. These people came out against them. These people started the battle, and Israel finished it for them every time. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not, for I have delivered him into thy hand, and all his people, and his land. And thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelleth at Hezbon. So they smote him, and his sons, and all his people, until there was none left of him alive. And they possessed his land. And that's how it goes. When God sends you somewhere, you're going to go. It's as simple as that. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. That's this side of Jordan, the left side, the west side. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people. Well, I bet your bottom dollar you better be afraid of them because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Well, here's a, here's a clue. When he asks you if he can travel through your land, say yes. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are around about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at the time. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, 
to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth. They abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail. You won't. That we may smite them, you won't. And that I may drive them out of this land, you won't. For I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed. And he whom thou cursed is cursed. That's what he's saying about this guy, uh, Beor. Or Balaam, rather, the son of Beor. Saying that whoever he blesses is blessed and whoever he curses is cursed. He's a hell of a warrior. And he's thinking he's going to get him over here and they're going to go out and fight Israel and win. That's not going to happen. There's going to be some backbiting going on here. This is pretty interesting stuff. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hands. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. Now Balak is the king of the uh, Moabites and he thinks that's right big talk he thinks he's gonna parlay up with Balak here I mean Balaam Balak and Balaam and that they're gonna go out and defeat Israel because Israel hasn't even threatened them they're, they're just over here and and these people are kind of worried about him coming in and God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent me sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Period. Now, that's a very simple statement considering what this man has just told him. This king is sent for me and my army and said, Come bless my land and kill these people so they don't take my land. And God says, Uh-uh, uh-uh. They're, they're mine. They're blessed. You, you're not going... Now, Balaam is not necessarily a believer in God. He is now because he spoke to him. And Balaam rose up in the morning. What do you think he does? And he said to the princes of Balak, Get into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. This meeting is adjourned. That's what he said. Sorry, it's not going to happen. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto a very great honor. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, where that came from 
and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people. Look, dude, I need your army. I will pay you whatever price. I'll triple it, whatever. I'll, I'll make you whatever you want to be. I'll do it. Just come kill these people for me. Thank you. I appreciate it, Alpine. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. He just told these people, You ain't got enough money to buy me. If you gave me every ounce of gold and silver you had, along with your house and your title for that matter, I can't go against God. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what you offer me. I'm not going against those people. They're blessed. Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. If you don't believe me, stick around. I'm sure God will tell me more. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Go ahead and go with them, but you speak what I tell you to speak and nothing else. So Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes to Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and two servants were with him. Now what, why is God mad at it? Because what he told him was, if these people come to get you again, go with them and I'll tell you what to think. He didn't do that. He got up in the morning and left on his own accord to go, go to them. He's trying to cut out the middleman. God has a specific way he wants things done. So now he's riding upon his ass, and his two servants are with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. This angel is about to decapitate Balaam, right? They're on a very narrow path going up the mountainside, and there's an angel standing there with a sword drawn, ready to take this guy out. And his ass sees it. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass and hit the ass to turn into the way. So he's fighting with his donkey, trying to get him to get back on the path. And the, the donkey ain't going. He's like, screw you, man. I'm not going. Do you not see that angel up there? But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards a wall being on one side and a wall on the other side. It's a very small, narrow path. There's nowhere else to go once they enter into that ravine. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. You stupid donkey, what are you doing? Here you are hurting me now. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. And there was no way to turn either to the right hand or the left. They're in it now. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. Now he's beating the damn thing with a stick because he won't move. 
let this be a lesson to you that your animals are perceptive of things that you may not be. And this particular animal knows what's in the path ahead of them and ain't about to go any further. You ever wonder why a donkey refuses to move? This may be why, and you don't even know. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass as Balaam is beating her with a stick. And the ass said to Balaam, what have I done to you? This probably freaks Balaam out, by the way, because donkeys don't talk. What have I done unto you that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me. I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, I am not, no, sorry, am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Have you not ridden me this whole time? Yeah. Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? In other words, have I ever not went when you told me to go? Have I ever not gotten you where you were trying to get and he said nay and then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face that's where you should be Balaam because now you know that donkey just saved your life and uh, you beat him for it three times and the anger of the Lord said unto him, or the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand, withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. I would have killed you and saved the ass, is what the angel just said to Balaam. Prone ass up. <laughs> yeah. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases thee, I will get back again. I will leave and go back which way I came. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that, sh that I shall speak unto thee, that shalt thou speak. Balaam went with the princes of the Balak. So now he's on the right path. All right. He was trying to beat him to the punch. He was trying to get there before they got there. That's what all this was about. And so... I want you to try to imagine Balaam now that he's experienced this with the angel and the donkey. He goes with the men, and he doesn't say a word the whole trip. And when he gets to the king, they present him to the king, and he doesn't speak. And the king is asking him, what's, what's wrong with him? Why isn't he talking? He has nothing to say because the angel is yet to tell him what to say. He holds his tongue because now he knows you do what God tells you to do. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him in the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon. 
which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not to me? I am not able indeed to promote thee to honor. You think Balaam cares about your honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kirjath Huzath. Kirjath Huzath, what a name. And Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into a high place of Baal. Baal is a false god, and they're about to sacrifice to a false god. That thence he might see the utmost part of the people. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram, to God, not to Baal. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me I will tell thee. And he went to an high place, and God met Balaam. And he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And God said, I don't care about your offerings. He didn't say that. Apparently in these days, this was sort of a kind of, a, you know, important to them to, to do these sacrifices. They, they, they kind of saw it as currency to God. God doesn't care. It wasn't ever God's idea. God just said, if you're going to do it, this is the way you do it. But it's man's idea. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And they took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram, out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations." Who can count the dust of Jacob, the number of people, like the, like the sand of the ocean, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them all together. Remember he said that, Balaam, whoever he curses is cursed, and whoever he blesses is blessed. Well, Balak is just doing what God told him to do. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? 
Yes, you should. If you feel the urge, if God put a message in your mouth, much like I do on this podcast, I don't put any thought into what I read. I don't put any effort into what I'm going to say next. That comes from God, and I believe that. So with Balak here. And you must have the faith and the conviction to open your mouth and say it, regardless of what it makes you look like. Because when God puts it in your mouth to say, it's important. It needs to be said. And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, come with me unto another place from whence thou may seest them. And thou shalt be, see the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. Nope, not going to happen, buddy. Will Balak live? You'll have to stay tuned and find out. And he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pishka and built seven offers and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offerings while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam a second time and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus, and when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed. I cannot reverse it, period. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, meaning Jacob, the house of Jacob. And the shout of a king is among them. Yes, there is. Because you know who that king is? That king will eventually be Jesus Christ. That's the shout of the king. That's Judah, the tribe of Judah. God brought them up out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Well, unicorns don't exist. So, you know. However, there may very well have been an animal in those days that they referred to as a unicorn, which means one horn. You know what else has one horn? A rhinoceros. We picture it as a horse, but there's no evidence that that's the case. A unicorn could be anything. A goat of some kind, an ox of some kind, or something like a rhinoceros. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey, and drink the blood of the slain. Folks, 
going against Israel is like going against a brick wall. You're going to lose. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. Leave them alone. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh that I must do. Didn't I tell you that? Didn't I say, Whatever God tells me, that's what I'm going to do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee to another place. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. No, 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 no. You're not understanding, Balaam, Balak. God doesn't want you touching these people. He doesn't even want you looking at them. He don't want you thinking about them. He wants you to leave them alone. And that's what I'm going to do. We can go all day long to every play, every high place you want to go to. It ain't going to make no difference. And Balak brought... This is a man, by the way, that does not take no for an answer. He thinks he's going to figure it out. And Balak brought Balaam to the top of Peor that looketh toward Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me as seven bullocks and seven rams, as they did thrice before. And Balak did as Balaam asked, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments. But he set his face towards the wilderness, and Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, And the man whose eyes are opened hath said, He hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, calling, falling into a trance, but having his eyes opened. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacle, O Israel! As the valley are they spread forth, as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of lean aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Now, Agog was a giant. There's a Gog and Magog. This is a, a, a play on the word Magog. In those days, it was called Agog, and it may have very well have been a different guy, but I don't think it was. I think it was the same guy. And he was a very big king in those days, not just in stature, but in power as well. I'm going to say much love and good night. Everyone, I'll rewatch Jake, and I'll get with you later, okay? Well, thank you, honey. I appreciate you. I need you. And I love you. And I'm about to call it a night, too, because my face is running away with me. <clears throat> Let me get through this line. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations of his enemies and shall break their bones and pierce them through with arrows. That's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up tomorrow night on 24-9. Man, what a fantastic read that was tonight. I don't know about you, but it touched my heart. 
I love this book. I love this story, and I hope that you got something out of it as well. Won't you do me a favor and look at this ad while I go blow my nose? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon. Share this video with somebody you love. Hit the thumbs up. Leave comments down below and go to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband if you want to support my work or if you feel led to send tithes offerings or love offerings or cash app users can go to dollar sign jakejohnsonband. Bah! Any questions? What happened to Balak? Well, you have to tune in tomorrow night and find out. I'll tell you this much. Balak will learn his lesson. I'm supposed to know these things. <laughs> Balak will learn his lesson. I'll put it that way. But if you want to hear how the drama unfolds, be here tomorrow night and we'll finish the story, I promise. Oh, how lovely vengeance is when it comes from God. I want you to try and put yourself in this guy's position. Balaam is neither here nor there. He's not a good guy or a bad guy. He's just a dude. He's a warrior. He's well-known. And uh, he's got quite a reputation. And he's like, whatever, you know. King calls me and says, hey, I need you to fix a problem for me. Fine. That's great. I'll go see what he's got to say. But God speaks to him on the way. God reveals himself to Balaam. And Balaam realizes there is a God. And so... Balaam, being a neutral, chaotic being, immediately turns to the side of God because he knows what side of the bread his butter is on. And he says to Balak when he gets there, look, man, I'm sorry, I can't fix your problem for you. God just told me not to do it, and I'm not going to do it because that's God. You're a dude. That's God. I'm going to listen to him. And then Balak goes about trying to convince him. So three or four times, maybe even five times, he tries to convince him otherwise. And every time, he'll go talk to God and come back and say, God ain't changed his mind. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. You want me to hurt those people in that valley down there? Do you, do you see those people? They outnumber us 10 to 1. I'm not going down there. I don't care what you offer me. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much honor you bestow upon me. It doesn't matter. I'm not doing it. You can hang it up. I don't care. You mean nothing to me. God's talking to me. You understand? So, love your commentary. Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate it. I love it, too. Believe it or not, it's as new to me as it is to you. Had me on the edge of my ass. <laughs> Just don't hit that ass with a stick and you'll be okay. Because that ass is probably looking out for you and you don't even know it. You let other people hit the ass with a stick. I'm trying to turn that into a dirty joke, and it just ain't working. I'm sorry. <laughs> what a strange circumstance. God and those two guys, ears at the same time. Well, one guy's ears. The other guy's telling him what God said, but he's not allowed to hear it. Every time... They sacrifice, and Balaam goes to speak to God. He goes over there somewhere and speaks to God. So Balak can see it, but he can't hear it. 
Wampas? I don't know what that means. Wampus. Wampus. What does that mean? I've heard that word before, but I don't know what it means. Is that part of the word catawampus, which means crooked? <coughs> anyway, <clears throat> this is a very poignant story, and it's allegories of the things that we go through in life. You know, we often find ourselves at a crossroads, and we have to make a decision which direction to go, and it doesn't really matter either which way because... You know, what what matters is your morality. What matters is what you believe in. And when you get to that place, you just have to make a decision. And you follow your heart. You follow what you feel God says. Now, if you're listening for God, let me be the first one to tell you that you're never going to hear his voice. Because he doesn't have one. And how do I know that? I can point out a hundred times in the Bible. I don't know. That's probably the wrong number. But... There's a bunch of times in the Bible that God talks about talking to people, and there's always an angel present doing the talking. Why? God doesn't have a voice. That angel, that particular angel, is Gabriel, the archangel, which does have the face of God, which means he speaks for God, which means when you hear God's voice, it's that angel doing the talking. And that don't happen anymore. That's a time gone. That doesn't happen anymore. No more prophecies, no more angels coming to earth that I'm aware of. Wait, God isn't talking to Balaam. God is talking to Balaam, not Balak. And it's the angel of the Lord doing the talking. Remember, it's the same angel that was in the way that he had his sword drawn. That was Gabriel the archangel. How do I know that? I've done a lot of study, and I've come across it more than once. I've put two and two together. I can't point to a particular scripture that says it, but when I get there, I'll point it out. But God's voice does come. It's just you hear it in your head like you're thinking. And it's usually a small, still voice that you barely recognize. A little tiny thing that says, I should do that. And then you start thinking and you overthink it and you do the other thing. And then you remember that you thought that in the back of your mind and you should have listened to that. And then you regret not listening to it. That was God's voice. That's the voice of God. And uh, I try very hard to be in tune to that and listen to it when I teach because I do not want to be responsible for anybody's soul. So I made a deal with God. I'll open my mouth, but you put the words in it. And I'll just read and respond however I respond. And that's what I do. And hopefully there's some knowledge that comes from that and some understanding. And I hopefully... It puts people in a more of an ease about the Bible because the Bible is quite confusing. And I hope that I illustrate it well enough that you can see it as if it were happening before you because that's what I'm trying to paint that picture, as if these are real people that really experienced these things because they were. This is not story hour. These are real events that are cataloged and written down. They may not have happened exactly that way, but they happened that way enough that the end result is what happened, you know. Don't know about all the dialogue. Don't know how you could write all that down, but apparently they do when you're uh, 
uh, inspired by God, you can remember all that stuff. You are very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. I feel it. If I start doing that crinkly thing with my forehead, though, and holding my hand up like that when I talk, start being a, a little concerned. Hey, Jesus told you to send me $1,000. If you just send $1,000. No, don't, don't listen to me if I get there. I suppose that all people that do this job have the tendency of, or the uh, proclivity to befall the trappings of it. You know what I mean? There is some power in being a teacher. And inevitably, somebody is going to see you as the authority. That's just the way it is. Because if you know something that other people don't know and you share it, you become the teacher, they become the pupil. It's a power vacuum. Well, here's the problem with that. We're just men. I don't have any authority that you don't have. I don't have any power that you don't have. I don't have any line to God that you don't have. The only difference between you and me is that my nose has been in that book for 30 years. That's the only difference. And that's a, a welcome reprieve to know what I know. But what I know, a three-year-old could also know if they just paid attention. You know, there's no secrets. There is no magic. There is no power. The word is the word, and it's for every human being alive. And some people, when they get in this position, they take advantage of it because it feels good. And I hope I never do that. And I hope I can maintain a healthy distance from that. But if I do start going down that path, you call me out on it. You don't put up with no bullshit, not even for me. I mean that. Because I am only human. And I'm prone to the same mistakes everybody else is. True, just listen. That's all I'm doing is listening. I'm trying anyway. You got a runny nose. Yes, I do. I got a runny face. It will not stop. It just keeps coming. I don't. Need, I, don't I didn't even know I had that much room in my head for fluid. I called it. What'd you call? You called it. What did you call? You asked for it. I asked for it. When did I ask for it? Walter Davis, welcome to the show. Good evening to be called out on something. Yes, yes, ma'am, I did ask for that. Are you calling me out for having a runny nose? Is that what you're saying? I ain't trying to hide it. Walter, you missed a good read tonight, buddy. Hope you go back and listen to it. It's pretty interesting. Very good story tonight. And we'll be continuing it tomorrow night, so don't miss that. It's going to be fantastic. 
high untethered alpine and the rest of the stream they've all but gone because it's uh super bowl sunday but uh they did pop in and say hello anyway so that's good god don't always win the battle when it comes to stubborn people But if you're here and you've been listening, you can count yourself among the blessed. I promise you that. I'll watch the replay. Good. Please do. <laughs> yeah, real nail-biter. Peradventure all around Israel. Yep. That's a good one. I like Balaam, too. He's the kind of guy I would be friends with, I think. Because, you know, he don't, he's not really for either side. He doesn't really care either way. He's just doing his thing. But when God steps in, that's a different story. You know, that's when you pay attention. And he does. He's smart enough to know, okay, something's going on here that's bigger than me, and I'm not getting involved. So that's pretty good. You can appreciate that. Well, all right, boys and girls, I'm going to cut it a little short tonight because I don't feel good, but I'll be here tomorrow night, and we will finish this story, and we will continue on this line of thinking and see what we come up with. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for being such great conversationalists and having so many good questions and keeping my brain functioning. I mean, I appreciate that. I love you, True. Won't you do me a favor? When you go out into the world tomorrow, be nice to somebody. They need it, and you do too. It'll change your life, I promise you that. Get well soon. God bless. Thank you, dear. I need that, and I will. I promise. I'm already halfway there. I'm just at the end now where all the stuff is coming out of me. So I've, I've won. I just have to get through the, the snotting and the blowing and the going and the carrying on. But I appreciate your, your uh, blessing, and I'll take it. Good night. I love you, True. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much, and thanks for watching.